from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. This morning, the U.S. Supreme Court issued the long-awaited opinion in the Dobbs versus Jackson women's health case by a 5-4 to four decision. The court has overturned Roe and Casey. Washington Watch's Marjorie Jackson was at the Supreme Court this morning, and she filed this report. Breaking news. I'm here at the court where we just got a decision on the long-awaited Dobbs case. There's a huge crowd gathering here, some celebrating, some going crazy. We just got the news. So you're obviously very excited about the Dobbs decision that was just released, the overturn of Roe versus Wade. What was your reaction when you heard that news? Honest, I was flabbergasted. I, it's like you're crying and you're, and you're laughing. You're just, it's, this is the moment that, that we have that we can finally, finally fight for preborn children, that we finally have the opportunity to stand for women to show them that they don't need abortion to be successful, that they don't need abortion to go to college, that they can both be parents, they can be mothers, and they can be successful. The Lord is so great. This is all God's work. 50 years we've been fighting this battle in my personal life just the last few years, but boy, lots of blood, sweat, and tears over the years for this moment. But the beauty is the work is just beginning. There's so much work to this point, and there's going to be so much to come, but what a day to celebrate for all the work for the pro-life movement and generation that we have thankfully been handed down to bring us to this point. I have never known what it's like to live in a country without Roe. And that changed today because Dobbs was decided affirmatively. We've got young women for America leaders who are were up on the steps with me. And for all of us, for you too, I know this is the first time that we're living in a country where we can actually have a voice on the issue of abortion because it's going back to our states. So I think it's a lot of joy, a lot of relief, and a lot of adrenaline gearing up for what's next. This is the pro-life generation. These students are witnessing a day that you cannot overstate how important it is, how historic it is, and it's so encouraging to see that on one cultural issue, the most important cultural issue, the most important moral issue, the young generation recognizes and has been fighting for the science of life. This is incredible because now we have the energy and the momentum and the courts with us on our side. So as this goes back to the states, the states are going to be able to do a much better job, more effective job in protecting those unborn children and the mothers that otherwise might be convinced to abort their baby. My wife has been on the board of a crisis pregnancy center for a number of years. My sister-in-law is still there. Uh, you know, you've got people like that who who aren't going to give it up. Uh, and uh, that's why we need to, frankly, make sure that we are taking this, uh, this struggle uh, to the next place, which is going to be at the states. This is a landmark day for pro-lifers as we will now see the championing of life in America and the decision of abortion goes back to the states. Again, that was Marjorie Jackson with uh, Washington Watch on the uh, steps of the Supreme Court earlier today. Of course, not everyone is celebrating. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and, pr extremism and protect the American people. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi earlier today. President Biden had this to say. Make no mistake, this decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset the balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. Yes, it was a deliberate effort to overturn an atrocious decision by the Supreme Court from 1973 that was imposed upon the entire nation. You're correct, Mr. President. And today, the court finally returned to the Constitution. But that's not the end. We'll get an analysis of the decision from FRC's Catherine Beck-Johnson, Research Fellow for Legal Policy Studies here at the Family Research Council. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, we are broadcasting today from the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, the site of the GOP 2022 Victory Conference. And so a little bit later, I'll be joined by Latina, the uh, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. 
He'll discuss not only the implications of the Dobb decision for the states, but the ongoing battle that state AGs are waging against the Biden administration. And the, uh, the path to this landmark abortion case and this decision handed down today has been long. It has been paved with the stones of technology, compassion, and care by care pregnancy centers that have dotted the landscape of this country, and, and by political engagement by Christians. New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith is probably the longest-serving pro-life advocate in Congress, and he'll join me later on this historic day. And uh, finally, earlier today here at the 2022 Victory Conference, Dr. Ben Carson and I had a wide-ranging discussion on today's decision and what it means for Americans going forward. So he also joins me today on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of information, resources available for you there. So visit it, TonyPerkins.com. And also, uh, we'll have more analysis and news over the weekend at the Washington Stand. That's WashingtonStand.com. News and commentary from a biblical perspective. The word for today, coming from the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, of the sons of Issachar who had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. You see, these men stood out. They not only understood what was going on, they knew what they needed to do. May the same be said of us. To join FRC's Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. And one more thing. Don't miss your opportunity to partner with FRC as we come to the end of our fiscal year, June the 30th. Join with us as we encourage Christians to pray, vote, and to stand for truth, which, frankly, is what was a part of bringing about today's victory. Help us finish our fiscal year strong and be prepared to face the challenges and seize the opportunities in the months ahead. Give us a call. I've got team members standing by to take your call at 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And I want to again thank those of you this week who have called us and said, I'm partnering with you. And we could, uh, we certainly appreciate that. We're here going on air, the airwaves all across America simply because folks like you stand with us. So give us a call, 800-225-4008 or go to TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, a historic day with the court sending Roe v. Wade to the dustbin of history. But that isn't the end of it. There's more work now to be done as the issue goes back to the states. Here with me now to go into further detail on this decision and analysis of the opinion is Catherine Beck-Johnson, Research Fellow for Legal and Policy Studies here at FRC. Catherine, good to have you back on the program today. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be with you, especially on this historic and exciting day. It has been. You were a part of filing the brief that the Family Research Council filed in this case. Uh, you and I spoke earlier today. You have uh, really kind of dissected this opinion. Not, not, a, not much in terms of uh, changes from the draft that was released uh, uh, several weeks ago. But give our viewers a sense of the significance of this uh, opinion and the major takeaways from it. Justice Alito was brilliant in this opinion. You know, he walked through step by step every argument pro-abortion legal scholars could try to make. And he said, first and foremost, this is not in the text of the Constitution. There is no fundamental right to an abortion. We can also look at the history and the traditions of our nation to find the law. And abortion is just in the past 50 years, this has been a so-called right. So this really isn't embedded in the history nor the tradition of our country. He goes through the stare decisis test, explaining why this fails. You know, he says this is not settled law. If we look at our nation, the views on abortion are anything but settled. This is constantly coming before the lower courts, who, thanks to Casey, had no guidance on how to rule. He said that the, the Casey test was unworkable, which is what Family Research Council's amicus brief really focused on. So Justice Alito really went through point by point any argument the left could make and completely eviscerated it in a brilliant legal way. So there really is no legal argument anyone could make against this opinion. And, and Catherine, what I found in reading through the opinion is going back to Casey, 
um, which was Casey and Roe were the prevailing jurisprudence, but Casey basically upholding the fundamental elements of Roe. Uh, Casey, in that case, said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. And it kind of goes on. I mean, it sounds kind of mystical, if you ask me. Uh, But it's kind of reaching into the shadows to create a right to abortion. And that's what uh, Samuel Alito zeroed in on his opinions and while individuals are certainly free to think and say what they wish about existence, meaning the universe and the mystery of human life, they are not always free to act in accordance with those thoughts. License to act on the basis of such beliefs may correspond to one of the many understandings of liberty, but it's certainly not ordered liberty, which I think is, is a key element that dismantles the left's fictitious rights that they've created. My favorite quotes from the opinion as well. Justice Alito saying, you can think whatever you want, but in an ordered society, there's limits. And I think that's a very much a thought that the left is just hostile to, that the left thinks you should be able to act and do however you feel, whatever your gender feeling is, whatever you feel like makes your life hard, which might be carrying a child. And Justice Alito really cut through all of that, saying, no, in an ordered society, there are limits and there are boundaries. And you might not be able to kill your child if your state has decided to protect the unborn. And so I think what Justice Alito so proudly and boldly said is just cutting through the new rhetoric of the left and saying that, no, there are limits. And that I just thought was phenomenal of him. And so, Catherine, now the issue goes back to the states. This doesn't eliminate abortion in the country. It goes back to the states where the court found it in 1973, taking it out of the hands of the states. But but a lot of work has been done over the last 40 years. I mean, we've got uh, 13 states ready right now that have made abortion legal as a result having trigger laws in place. So so what else do we know about the landscape uh, at the state level and how can people find out what their state laws are? That's right. If you go to frc.org slash pro-life maps, you will see FRC's map. We have laid out where abortion is in each state with Roe being overturned. So if you click the post Roe tab, you will see where abortion is, where the abortion laws is in your state. Some states have triggers. I've said when Roe is overturned, the unborn will be protected. And then on the other on the other end, we have you know states like New York and California saying abortion is legal up until birth, and they're codifying that in their state constitution. So certainly go and look at our map to find out where your state is and the work that's still left to be done, because ultimately we want to work to protect the unborn in every state in all of America. You're absolutely right. The work has uh, just begun. Catherine Beck-Johnson, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. And folks, it is. Uh, The work just begins as we ramp up our efforts through the Care Pregnancy Centers. We work to elect more pro-life leaders at the state level. I mean, this this came to us through the states. It was Mississippi that drove this forward. And and in fact, we're going to be talking with the Mississippi governor next week. Uh, But coming up next, more on the Dobbs ruling and what we might expect to see in the states now that the question of abortion legality has been uh, given back to them. Also, The battle against the Biden administration. Attorney General Jeff Landry joins me next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. To Washington Watch, I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned, we are broadcasting from the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, site of the uh, Republican Party, the GOP of Louisiana, their 2022 Victory Conference. Well, following the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe and Casey today, eyes across the nation are now turning to the individual states, many of which uh, saw their abortion restrictions struck down or severely limited by the 1973 Roe decision. With the question of abortion legality now returned to the states, what might we expect to see moving forward? Here to uh, discuss this with me is my good friend, Jeff Landry. He's the uh, Attorney General for the state of Louisiana. Jeff, welcome back to the program. Tony, what a great day today. Big day. Big day. I mean, you were in Congress... uh, pro-life advocate, been working for these issues, defending Louisiana's pro-life laws. Um, your, your thoughts when you got the word today? Well, I mean, my first thoughts was like, you know, this is a day that the Lord has made. I mean, just an unbelievable day. And I, I couldn't help but think of all of the people uh, who have spent treasure and prayers and toil um, working for this day. Yeah. And, and I think today's a great day to rejoice. I think, I think you know, I think about um, the, uh, the crowds at the March for Life every year in D.C., um, the, the, the movement uh, that, this, that, that a bad decision almost 50 years ago uh, created. And, uh, and so today the court gets it right. Right, yeah. And again, this, I'm going to talk about this with Chris Smith later. You served with Chris in the House. Uh, probably the longer-serving pro-life advocate in the House and Congress, uh, but there's political engagement, electing pro-life uh, individuals. And then we had President Trump, who gave us a uh, constitutionalist on the court that brought us to this decision. But Louisiana is one of, uh, of 13 states that their legislature had already worked to put in a trigger law so that abortion now is, uh, is illegal in the state of Louisiana. How does that play out? Well, first of all, you know, again, for, for those who are watching and listening uh, that are from Louisiana, today's a great day for Louisiana because yeah, we is. now we're a on the top of, yeah. of a good yeah. list, right, yeah. which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what I can tell you is that, to me, it's a great – Louisiana now becomes a template uh, for states that want to protect life, yeah. right? And so we go into a stage, what I believe, of caring for life rather than destroying life. So the movement continues because it was all about – protecting life. Uh, and because I've always said, I said, there's no liberty without life. There's no freedoms without life. 
uh, it just it starts with life. I, I want to switch gears for just a little bit because the attorney generals, attorneys general for the states, have become so important during this time of the Biden administration. I mean, you're like on the front line of defense with all of this stuff that's being pushed down from the federal level. Very aggressive. Never seen anything like it. And you've been a part of leading that effort, pushing back, whether it's issues of immigration on the border, uh, whether it's the radical uh, policies and ideology they're pushing in our schools. Um, Are we making progress? On which I will. Yes, from an attorney general approach, you know, one of the things that attracted me to run for attorney general uh, was serving in Congress and in rec- recognizing how dysfunctional the place is. <laughs> uh, you know, and certainly so as true. a as 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 someone who was raised by a pro-life warrior uh, and by faith, I realized and always said that actually our answer to to what happened today was never going to be in Congress. It was always going to be in the courts. And at the right answer, again, I keep saying the court got it right today because they moved that discussion, that debate to the states. Because when you, when, when you allow our system of government um, that, that, that states are sovereign, then the government governs closest to the people. And so right. now, now we have states where their direct representatives, who you can hold them more easily accountable, like making decisions right. on issues as important as life. But, but part of this is the fact that the states refused to be silent and not touch this issue. The courts didn't want them to touch it. They took it away, but the states refused. They continued to do this. I think this is a great model. Yeah, no, no, it's, a, it's an unbelievable model. I mean, it's one of the reasons I, I ran for attorney general. I was so glad that the people of the state elected me. Uh, you know, kind of going back to that same question is that these fights, policymaking, unfortunately, uh, has become done is done in our courts now through litigation it's a dysfunction it's completely dysfunctional i I know a lot of people out there saying that's not how it's supposed to be i agree with them that's a discussion for another day but what i do believe though is is that what happens now is is that we're now getting this ruling brings governing closer to the people inside and and it will make it better i I remember back when i was in the legislature and I, i passed the first Abortion Clinic Regulation Act in Louisiana, and and was kind of criticized uh, by both left and the right. And there's uh, th- this idea that we shouldn't touch this. And I know others were critical of other moves that have been made, saying time is not right. You know, time is not yeah. right. You got to wait till the you know the court gets right. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And I think the blitz of pro-life laws from the states brought us to this point today. Well, Tony, I certainly want to go on the record and say that I've never been a critic. I was not one of those that criticized you. I I really do appreciate the time you spent serving in Louisiana. I think that um, certainly, you know, what happens is people like you are actually able, you have a God-given talent to see over the horizon. And it's hard sometimes collectively to get everybody to see over the horizon and to take a very methodical, easy approach to common sense uh, issues. And so this, again, is just so great because, look, the things that you have done, the things that y'all have done, the path that legislators before legislators today have charted through Louisiana, we now get to go and enforce those particular laws. In fact, uh, Liz Murrell, who's our solicitor general, she has been great. She is just an unbelievable pro-life warrior, argued the June case before the Supreme Court. One of the first things I asked her was, what about the admitting privileges now? And we started talking about it, and we realized that we've got some work. And this is important for people to understand out there as well. So we're going to be going back into court, you know, lifting these injunctions based upon this ruling. And this thing is going to take time. Yeah. But the great news, the greatness is the celebration for all the prayers yeah. and all the work that people have done. It's a great day. A great day. And thank you. Jeff Landry. Thank you, Tony Perkins. For all the work that you do on behalf of uh, Louisianans fighting for truth. Well, Tony, that's the job I got. All right. Look forward to seeing you more this weekend. Thank you. And folks, don't go away. we got more to come on the other side of the break. We'll be joined by New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith, one of the longest-serving pro-life advocates in the House of Representatives. We're going to get his take on today's decision by the court as well as what's next at the federal level. Yes, the battle goes to the states, got to expand the care pregnancy centers, but there's still more to do at the federal level. That's next.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned, we are broadcasting from the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, site of the uh, GOP's 2022 Victory Conference. And uh, by the way, I uh, would love to have your support. Uh, as we come to the end of our fiscal year, you can uh, give us a call or you can go to TonyPerkins.com and join with us. Now, as the uh, the states get to work in accordance to uh, the ruling handed down this morning by the Supreme Court on the Dobbs case. Democrats in Washington are vowing to uh, to do everything they can to push back. Uh, in fact, Nancy Pelosi uh, had this to say earlier today when the decision was handed down. Clip three, please. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and and protect the American people. The extremism by the courts, I think what this was is a correction of the extremism by the courts. But expect Democrats to continue to push forward on this, trying to advance their radical agenda. But Republicans on Capitol Hill remain committed to protecting the weak and the most vulnerable among us. And I think we're, uh, do we have Congressman Smith? Okay, we're having a little difficulty uh, connecting with uh, Congressman Smith. Okay, just a second, we should have him on. There is, as I was mentioning, most of the effort now goes back to the states. is where it should be. So you're going to have state legislatures taking this up. And they're going to be regulating abortion to the degree that they can. And as I mentioned, 13 states trigger mechanisms making abortion completely illegal. I think you're going to see that in probably half the states already. About 26 states uh, have significant restrictions on abortions. Um, Then there's still a federal element. There's more to be done at the federal level as uh, as well. So we're going to continue to see Congress dealing with this issue. But I think we're going to be closer to a resolution as we move America back to being predominantly a pro-life nation once again. By the way, we've got got, uh, resources available for you uh, that will show you where your state is on the life issue. Uh, You can go to TonyPerkins.com. And you can find uh, those resources 
kind of, there's maps, a number of maps that show you um, where your state lines up according to the other states. Uh, and, and, and to speak to that, I'm going to bring in Travis Weber, Vice President of uh, Policy here at the Family Research Council. Uh, Travis, uh, we're talking about the federal level. Some of the, uh, the, 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 let's, before we go to the resources available to f- folks at the state level, uh, federal level, what do we, th- this doesn't completely remove this from the federal level. Absolutely. So, you know, what the court uh, did today in, um, in, in striking down Roe and Casey and uh, acknowledging the reality there is no federal constitutional right under a constitutional system of government and just says, well, well there's no federal right with, that leaves it to other areas of, of constitutional jurisdiction. One of those is Congress and, and what the Congress can do under its enumerated powers under the Article I of the Constitution obviously the executive branch, uh, own area of authority, Article 2. But, you know, it's going to give those, uh, the federal government in those areas, certain certain latitude to to, uh, either protect unborn life or choose to not protect unborn life. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, it'll return other governing authority to the states because under a constitutional system of government, if something is not enumerated in the Constitution, it's generally left to the states under their general police power or, or you know, residual powers under the Constitution in order to regulate the health and welfare of their citizens. And so under that framework, it's going to leave a lot to the states in order to determine um, how to protect life, as well as areas of work to Congress and um, to the executive branch and and, uh, other areas of, of governing authority under a constitutional system. So we, we will continue to see this, the, the federal government, Congress, working on this issue. And I expect to see, uh, you know, pro-life laws like the Born Alive Infant mm-hmm. Protection Act uh, being moved forward in the next Congress. So th- th- it's not it's not over at the federal level. It's just out of the hands of the courts and it's into the hands of policymakers. Uh, did, did, you, did you say we have uh, Congressman Smith? OK, I'm going to Travis, thanks for joining us. I'm going to switch over quickly uh, to uh, to get with uh, Chris Smith. Uh, Congressman, major day, historic day. Uh, I know a lot of things happening. Thanks so much for taking a few moments to join us. You're one of the uh, probably longest-serving pro-life advocates in the House of Representatives. You're uh, chairman of the Pro-Life Caucus, senior member of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. I'm just going to get your reaction to today's news. Well, I think Justice Alito wrote a brilliant reversal of Roe versus Wade. Uh, he's a, a tremendous jurist. He's from my hometown originally, uh, Hamilton. And he just, um, you know, the fact that the abortion so-called constitutional right has plagued us for almost 50 years, 63 and a half million dead unborn babies, which is equivalent to all the children and men and women living in the nation of Italy. Uh, this is a chance. This is, a, a, you know, an empowerment of legislators to protect life to the maximum extent, and some some of the states will do it automatically. You know, it, yeah. and uh, like my state, we've got a very pro-abortion governor, as, as as you know. But I'm very very optimistic that we want a national debate on abortion. Yes. You know, the marriage poll, you know, Tony showed that 17 percent of the people believe in abortion on demand throughout all the pregnancy. That's their yes. position. That's that's right. their position. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for helping us get to this point today. Your leadership has been remarkable. But we're going to have to leave it there. Unfortunately, our uh, inability to get connected, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. I have, yes, yes. Uh, so we're going to talk with you next week. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. 
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Broadcasting from the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, where the Republican Party of Louisiana meeting this weekend. It just so happened today, major, major decision from the Supreme Court in the Dobbs cases we've been talking about. Uh, but uh, today, earlier today, uh, Dr. Ben Carson was uh, on a panel here. He came in to speak, and he and I had a conversation. And I wanted to share part of that with you by actually bringing him into uh, today's Washington Watch You know, Dr. Carson is the founder and chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute. It's a new think tank whose mission is to promote the four founding principles, which are the cornerstones of our country, and that's faith, liberty, community, and life, as well as common sense solutions, something that he brought in the Trump administration as the 17th secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Of course, prior to that, world-renowned neurosurgeon. Uh, So grateful to have him joining us today. Dr. Carson, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. It's always wonderful to be with you. Well, uh, this time it's not uh, by technology, but we're actually here in the flesh. Exactly. It's uh, it's always good to be with you. Just uh, an amazing day. Uh, The news from the Supreme Court overturning the infamous Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Your, your thoughts, Dr. Carson? Well, it is a momentous occasion. There's no question about that. You know, I caution people not to become too celebratory. This is just the beginning because what the court has actually done is reestablish things the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, these major uh, life and death decisions, uh, tumultuous uh, social issues are supposed to be in the hands of the people and their representatives and not in the hands of unelected uh, judges. And they basically have returned us to the system the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's 49 years ago. They took it out of the hands of the states, declaring they were going to solve this issue once and for all. It's more of an issue today than it was 49 years ago. But in your profession as a surgeon, as a doctor in the medical field, You know, technology played a key role in getting us to this point of understanding the humanity of the unborn. Uh, No question about it. You know, we used to uh, think it was mysterious what was going on in that womb, and then all of a sudden, nine months later, out pops a baby. But uh, (laughs) in fact, now it's not that mysterious. Uh, We know that the female and the male gametes, both of which have 23 uh, chromosomes, fuse and that's when conception occurs. All of a sudden, you have 46, a complete set of chromosomes with all the information that is necessary 
for that individual to be their own person. They're not part of the mother. They're not part of the father. They're their own person, and they have all the information that will ever be necessary for them to be a complete uh, developed adult. And then that, that turns into a zygote, and that divides very quickly, and the parts begin to develop. You know, within six to eight weeks, our technology shows us that there is an individual in there with a head, with a face, eye sockets, a nose, lips, fingers, and toes, a heart that is beating. And uh, shortly after that, it begins to respond to environmental stimulus. You know, it is really difficult to say that that is not a living human well, being. Let me ask you about that, Dr. Carson, because you've actually performed surgery uh, on children in utero. I mean, uh, you, yes. you've, you've been able to, to do that. Has technology... Well, let me start with this. I've never asked you this question before, so I'm supposed to know the answers before I ask, so it's a little <laughs> dangerous to ask this question. But at what point were, were, did you realize you were pro-life? I, I realized that uh, relatively late in my life. Uh, I was pro-choice. Uh, now, I myself didn't believe in abortion. I thought it was terrible. But I said, what right do I have to impose my beliefs on someone else. And that's why I said, it's your choice. But one day in thinking about slavery and how slave owners thought that they could do anything because they felt they owned these people and they could kill them, rape them, murder them, whatever they wanted to do. And I said, how rotten that is. And I said, what if the abolitionists had said, well, I don't believe in slavery. I think it's a horrible thing. But, you know, you do what you want to do. <laughs> Where would we be? And uh, th there, there, is, there is a responsibility that we have for others. So now let me go on to my next question. Regarding the medical field, regarding the technology, the ultrasounds, you know, we now know that somewhere near 80% of women who see an ultrasound will choose life after seeing that. Ha has... Medical technology had an impact on medical personnel in the way they see life? Oh, without question. I mean, a, a lot of people who used to work in abortion clinics, after they were able to see the images of babies, they quit or they went to the other side. Uh, and, you know, if, if you look at a f first trimester abortion, on the screen, you see the head and the arms and the legs and the torso, and then you see a tube being introduced on the screen. And in many cases, you see the baby move away right. from it before it rips off one of the legs, mm. rips off the arm, rips off the head, and you see all the blood and gore going down the tube. It is enough to change your mind pretty quickly. As we've seen this technology, it's made it harder for those that have been, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to be um, kind. I think it's in some cases been intentional of pushing a lie, but it's getting harder for those that want to talk about the unborn in a way that is uh, dehum dehumanizes them. It's getting harder. Technology is making it difficult because... Americans know, people know that these are children. Uh, they absolutely know that. And, you know, in the case of uh, a second trimester abortion, you know, it's very hard to understand how people trained as physicians, people trained to save lives, can put these forceps into the uterus and grab right. something and just twist yeah. it and pull it out. It's hard. It's just hard to imagine. You know, out comes the shoulder. Yeah. Out comes the intestine. I mean, I, I, I don't understand how you can do that uh, after taking the Hippocratic yeah. Oath. So technology has gotten us here. I think the, uh, the pro-life movement has helped to get us here through an army of compassionate volunteers and others who have worked in the care pregnancy centers you know, nearly 3,000 of those dot the landscape of America, funded almost exclusively by individuals and churches that care about the unborn. Um, we've 
adoption, promotion. I think there's more to do on that front. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the political engagement has played a role in this. The fact that we had on the Supreme Court, we had five justices that recognized that there was no right in the Constitution to take the life of an unborn child. And, and, and that, of course, uh, points out the incredible importance of making sure that we get the right kinds of appointments. And, you know, President Trump actually de deserves some credit here. It deserves a lot of credit, I think. I mean, he worked very hard on making sure that we had courageous people uh, who really understood the Constitution, what it meant, as opposed to just partisans. One of the things that has become increasingly apparent when you look at the Supreme Court decisions over the last few years, there are a few of the judges that you know how they're going to vote. There right. is never any question right. about how they're going to vote on an issue because it's all ideological. And uh, that's, that's disturbing. Yeah. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, Dr. Ben Carson, my guest in this final segment. Uh, we are at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana, for the convention of the Louisiana Republican Party, a victory 2022 that is uh, taking place today, Friday and tomorrow on Saturday. I'll be back again tomorrow speaking. Invite you to come. It's open to uh, the public. So, Dr. Carson, we've talked a little bit about how we got to this momentous occasion, this decision by the Supreme Court. Of course, not only do we have these originalist constitutionalists on the Supreme Court, but our federal courts, because of the Trump administration and uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who shepherded these things through and made Absolutely. it his top priority, we have judges that have helped return us, I believe, to the Constitution. But now the work begins, uh, as we talked about earlier. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what has to happen now for us to really really see the weight of this decision today become reality in America. Well, you know, it's, it's not enough to just say, uh, we won, we, we, we got this thing reversed. Uh, we have to think about those mothers who find themselves in many cases in very difficult situations, right. which is why they would even be considering an abortion in the first place. And if, in fact, uh, we're going to uh, preclude them uh, or make it more difficult for them, what we should be thinking about is how do we make their lives and their decision more uh, palatable by providing real options for them. Right. Uh, you know, adoption being one of them is very hard to adopt. A, we need a baby adoption in this reform because it, it's expensive. The the hurdles are immense. Yeah. It's 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 a difficult process. And that would uh, provide a wonderful avenue. And then, in many cases, they they don't want to give their baby up, but they need some support, and we need to be able to get them on their feet so that they can teach themselves to be self sufficient and certainly teach their children to be and, and I know you agree with me in this. I think you do, because I know a lot about you. This is the role of Americans, of, of churches, of people of faith, yes. uh, not the government, exactly. because the government will not, I don't think we'll have good outcomes if the government is doing that. That's correct. And in fact, uh, when I was at HUD, we started a program uh, called the Mustard Seed Program. Yes, I in, remember. In which the churches took the lead. Yeah. And they would build housing. Uh, for and I've been to some, people. I've actually been to some of those churches yeah. that uh, were a part of that program. Amazing. And use all the talents of the people in the church to get those people back on their feet. And that's what really works because relationships are developed. And it's those relationships that help people to climb that ladder. You'll never develop a relationship by just giving them a government check. Yeah. I, I shared this earlier today. Um, what the court did is it changed its mind on abortion. It changed the, the policy, if you will, for America. And that is, in essence, repentance. It's what the Greek word metanoia, which is in Scripture, when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But then the New Testament goes on to talk about doing the works of repentance, that we have to prove that we have truly had a change of heart. And so the court, the court did change its mind on abortion, but now Americans, pro-life, the pro-life community, 
policymakers at the state level, because this goes to the states, churches, that army of compassionate individuals, they have to do the work of repentance and, and, and work this out. And, and we'll never make amends for the 60 plus million who lost their lives, but at least we can change directions. Amen. And we can be courageous. We can it's going to require up. courageous. Uh, you may be persecuted. There's no question about that. But Jesus said that may happen. But he also makes us wonderful promises if we will stick, stick with him. So, Dr. Carson, I know my listeners and viewers would want to know what's next for Dr. Carson. Uh, well, you know, we're continuing to work very hard with the American Cornerstone Institute. Our Little Patriots program is just blossoming tremendously. Great program. We have a new program uh, called Star Sprangle Adventures, which uh, goes through all of the history of our country. Uh, it's uh, cartoons, our animated cartoons by Disney and Pixar, uh, artists who are non-woke people. <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful, and it's free of charge because great, we have people who underwrite it. Great resource for homeschoolers, great resource for Christian schools, teaching America and what is good about America, to love America, and, and, and it's truth. Look, we're not a perfect country. We've got problems, and we've had problems, but it's still the best Absolutely. option in the world. And um, you continue that, you continue to speak out. Um, anything else you need to do? Oh, you do have a book. Out. Tell us quickly about the book. Uh, we have a, a new book called uh, Created Equal. The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And it really delves into the, the reasons that people are using race as a cudgel to try to beat people into yeah. submission. The tremendous progress that we've made. And it presents to the reader a choice. Do you want to build our future on our past failures or on our tremendous successes? Yeah, and, and you and I have talked about that issue many times, and I've not read the book, but looking forward to reading it. Dr. Ben Carson, always uh, great to see you, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Always good to be with a patriot. All right. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us today on this uh, quite significant day. And I do want to encourage you, as Dr. Carson was talking about, is that, you know, this is not time to run victory laps. It's really time to roll up our sleeves and go to work in doing the work of repentance, of, of, of looking how we can redouble our efforts to come behind these care pregnancy centers to reach these young women that may be in a uh, troubled pregnancy who knows what their situations are, but also to walk with them as they bring these children to term and uh, raise them. And this is a great opportunity for churches to reach out as well, but we need to be praying praying for the future of America. God has given us another chance. Well, again, thanks so much for being with us today. I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.